Hello, everyone. We have Carlos Costa here with us. He's popularly known as Charlie. He's one of the renowned physiotherapists on the ATP tour. He's worked with former Roland Garros champion Anna Ivanovich, German tennis player Tommy Haas, and former world number five Kevin Anderson. Also, he's presently working with Portuguese national teams at Fed Cup and Davis Cup, and he's the physiotherapist for tennis player Juan Sousa. So, welcome to our show, Carlos. Hello, nice so, to meet you. <laughs> thank you. So, Hello. how are you doing, and how did you manage this unexpected long suspension on the tennis tour? Yeah, it's not easy. I think. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for for having me today. I think it's uh, quite good for all the fans around the world and uh, for everybody that uh, have like this passion for tennis and want to see tennis live. And uh, well, it's not easy. I think since the COVID happened, uh, things changed a lot. The calendar, the how, how the, the tournaments happen like without public, some some terms had had some public, but not not to to many people. Just like a few here and there, as you can see on the, on TV as well. But uh, I think we are kind of adapting to this new circumstance, and uh, well, we have to to be thankful that tennis is still uh, able to to keep going. Let's say in these times. Malakshmi? Sorry, Carlos. Oh, okay. Yeah. The connection was lost for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Malakshmi, yeah, you can continue. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, Carlos. So, uh, currently you're working with Susa. How is he dealing with this pandemic and all the mental and physical challenges which other tennis players faced pre uh, last year? Yeah, so yeah, it was not easy. I think uh, the most uh, challenge thing that he was like facing was like the he had some. He was coming back from an uh, injury, Joao, mm -hmm. and uh, well, all the the mental and the physical is always like also the emotional part is not uh, an easy thing to come back from an injury. Uh, all the players have some aches here and there but an injury kind of debilitates all the game all the performance and is always there in the mind and uh, well they have to they have to cope with that find strategies to to find the better solutions in the game adapt a bit the game to to accommodate like the injury and uh, find uh, always the solution is the most important in uh, every every match they play yeah, hello the connection is not good is mine or yours um, i think mine is all right no um, Alexmi, your connection is not good i can hear carlos okay okay yeah. so is it fine now yeah it is right now yeah okay 
can you continue carlos yeah he, he finished the uh, okay. john sosa part you can continue yeah. okay oh sorry i'm so sorry so uh, uh you were working with two time grand slam finalist uh, kevin anderson and he's one of the players who has suffered a lot of injuries so what were the biggest challenges you faced while working with him well i have to start with the beginning when we start uh, it was already like uh, with a big injury in uh, both knees at the time right from the beginning it was like quite of a challenge i didn't know yet like this uh, issue but uh, as we progressed and we got to know each other things got better and better and better and uh, it got to to a place that things got stable and then when it got stable he could perform in his best uh, potential let's say and uh, from then on uh, i think the first year was kind of just catching up because of all these injuries that he had it was like when it's like a cascade when you have like an injury and you really try hard to still keep going things can happen somewhere else so like he had he start from the knees but then he had like a problem in the shoulder and then he had something else but then at some point he said like i think we just need to take a break take care of the body because that's the most important thing and then when he get really recovered then uh, things then you can go like we say like full to the to the court like in in a full performance like feeling 100% and that's what he did it took a long time but i think it was very good for him and in in the overall performance it was much better and it took like uh, one year to get to the performance that he was previously and then from then on he was like just better and better and better and suddenly he just got to a finals of a grand slam uh, in the us open i remember that was very significant for me because it was uh, the finals on the, was in the same date of my birthday so it was like a double and of a celebration <laughs> although we didn't win it is a very special to be in a final of a grand slam everybody is like is crowded you just feel is just a complete different atmosphere and then the second one was the finals of wimbledon because i i, I want to to finish my masters I told Kevin the the year before that I want to stop traveling on the tour just because my masters in London was a full-time uh, course and I didn't want to delay more because I've been traveling for maybe 8 9 years at the time and I said okay I think this is the time we finish in Wimbledon and then we should separate because I want to finish, finish my course and and you find another physio for sure and then uh, that's what we did and uh, good thing is that he did finals again in Wimbledon and uh, i think that was uh, like the the best thing you could possibly happen between us because that was uh, a good uh, a good ending let's say <laughs> uh, yes wimbledon was definitely an incredible moment for kevin and before going to the finals he had played two long matches against federer and isner like in the court finals and the semi finals and definitely it tested kevin's mental and physical resilience those matches so can you share how was it working with him and during that enduring week at wimbledon 
that that week man, brings me a lot of memories. Like against Feather, it was uh, really unbelievable. We we think we we knew that Kevin was in really high performance at the time, and really in good spirits, like feeling good, playing good. It was just like everything was just rolling. And then um, when he played against uh, Roger, well, you know that Roger is the king of the of the grass, so he was like very scared what could happen. But when you go for a match, you always go with everything you can. So we don't go like 90%, we go 100% and we give it all. And Kevin is like a player that really gives it all in that uh, in that situ situation. And that's what he did. We say like, we know that Roger is the best players of all time in tennis for sure. But uh, you always have a chance. So keep fighting and keep uh, challenging yourself because some, you never know. Sometimes the, the chances happen. And uh, in the end, it really happened. And uh, Kevin really showed to himself and to us that things can change if you really believe in yourself. And if you keep trying and trying and the hard work always pays off in the end. And the hard work always pays off because in Isner, I think it was like three, six hours, 30 something. 36 minutes, six 30, hours and 36 minutes. 36 minutes, yeah, I remember. I just remember I was completely drained after the match. We keep giving him electrolytes uh, bars, everything, just to keep him uh, like just like conscious, because it was like a huge fight. I never see such a long uh, event like that, like a match so long. We we start like the match, and then it was like three hours. Then suddenly it was four hours, five, six, and then the, the time just keeps going. And it was like unbelievable performance from Kevin. We were like all grateful from, from to to be there and see that happen live. I think it was just like a memory that uh, nobody would uh, forget for sure because when we get together in the locker room, it was like, we just get really emotional about the, the, the match and it was like just a, just a roller coaster, <laughs> not a good one. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, and it was a memorable match for all the tennis fans. Yeah. So, on the same note, like he had next, he had to play Djokovic, another champion, great champion in the Wimbledon finals. So did the training routine progressively change like after going deep into the finals and uh, after play, for playing his biggest match? Sorry, what, what, what was the question? Like did, did the training routines progressively change the physiotherapy and everything before the finals? Oh, for sure. <laughs> after the Isner's match, mm -hmm. I just remember he was. Uh, we we tried to 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 give him the best recover he could ever be. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. uh, I just remember the just the same night after the match of the Isner, I remember waking up at three thirty in the morning. He had like pain in the feet, really bad one. He couldn't touch anything, and. Uh, couldn't sleep because of the pain suddenly. And then it's just like, wake me up. He said like, can you do something to see if I can just at least sleep through the night because this is really painful. And then I just remember just like went there. I just did the lots of uh, fascial treatment, uh, recovering the muscles, like tension of the ligaments. And like just did a really 
got the treatment there and then suddenly was just falling asleep right away after like i don't maybe say like 15 minutes i think i think mm -hmm. it was just tired but the feet was just like in pain and then which we also give him like uh, so like fruits that are like red are very good for against toxins in the bloodstream so uh, everything that we could give him before bed we give him also sometimes a protein just to muscle recovery and then the next day we say like just see how you feel and then uh, we even if we just eat 20 minutes 30 minutes just to move a little bit is i think is enough because you sh the things you need to be ready for the final tomorrow is just a recovery day just take it like that we don't need to practice more <laughs> and that's what we did we just went there it's just you said like oh i don't feel so so bad actually and then suddenly he, he, he could play i think for 30 40 minutes and then he said like i think i'm done and then it's like okay i'm ready for for the finals all right so going a bit back in time uh, talking about former world number two tennis player tommy Haas. Yeah. in 2012 he defeated the king of grass roger federer in the finals of hal and it was in straight sets so how special was that victory for you <laughs> that was another special moment yeah that was uh yeah we start uh, not too early before that i think we start working together maybe half a year before something like that and then we start to to be full on the tour and then suddenly because at the time he was like 106 in the world and thinking okay maybe i do one more year and then i retire and then suddenly start to play better and better again and then suddenly he wins Halle against Roger, and we we're like, "Whoa!" I think he still has some uh, something <laughs> in the tank to keep going. So <laughs> that was a really good final. I I, I think he he did the no one forced errors, and I was like, "This is crazy!" But uh, if Tommy plays like this, it can be really good again. <laughs> If I'm not wrong, he also bounced back from a break. He was a breakdown in the first set, and then he recovered that break from Roger. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it was, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. He, I, he, he, told, he told us after, I think he was on the second set, he was so tight and nervous that uh, those two fingers of, of the hand cramp. So he couldn't shake the, the, the hand with the racket. The racket was like holding in the hand because it was so tight from the nerves. But uh, I don't know how he did it, but he made it through. <laughs> so it was really funny, but uh, was not was not funny, but afterwards was funny to tell us. <laughs> so you have also worked with the former world number one, Anna Ivanovich. And what are the major differences of working with the female tennis players and male tennis players? Oh, it's a big difference. I don't know how to explain, but I think, uh, let's say, uh, I think emotional, the woman side is more of that side in the, in the, like together with the tennis. I think they experience emotions a bit more deeper than the men and uh, that interferes a bit more with the tennis i think but uh, i mean we had a really good uh, good time together for sure because at the time uh, 
I work when I worked with with her. Uh, it was because of she had a, a tear in the abs, so she pulled she pulled the muscle. I think during a serve, so she, we get together and she said like, "Oh, I really like you. So if you can uh, keep working with me, I would appreciate." And then we did the two or three more treatments, uh, two or two or three more tournaments, and uh, she was free free of pain free. So thing was a good thing. But you could see, you can really see the difference because I have uh, also other physiotherapists that I know that work more in the in the woman's side, and they say sometimes you you are you are not a, so much a physio, you are more like a psychologist and more like a friend sometimes. <laughs> but it's okay. I think men sometimes also have like some breakdowns that happen. It happens both ways, but maybe more in women. So can you tell us the importance of having a physio for a tennis player? Well, I think the most important is a, is a prevention because it's not a contact sport, tennis. Yes. We, we really can uh, operate in the prevention side and at the same time give him better option to perform better with their own abilities. So it's like, um, these are two things that they benefit from having a physio full-time and at the same time uh, well to have a physio when you when you want like let's say i would say like oh i want i prefer physio like to have the treatment a bit later before dinner or after dinner something like that is always beneficial because it's more like uh, in in their own rhythm you know it's like they wake up they prefer to have the and that so it's a bit more specific to their own needs. And, uh, but I think the most beneficial thing about uh, having a physio is also because they, the, they can last long through the season without so many injuries because uh, prevention is key to, to have a, a fuller uh, schedule through the year. Definitely. So in your opinion, who do you think is the fittest ATP and the WTA tennis player? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, Nadal, Djokovic, and Roger, they are pretty, pretty up there. I think uh, it's very difficult to distinguish between them. Maybe nowadays, Nadal and Djokovic, I'd say in the, male, in the men's side, are the really fittest. Well, they can see because Nadal just won Roland Garros again, and he's playing unbelievable as before and Djokovic is also like up there as with him and uh in the in the woman's side i would say uh i i really like serena serena williams i really like her and she's top fit for me uh she's very very strong i think i think i think the overall picture in the in the woman's side i would say serena for sure but uh, while well, you always have like Halep uh, and all the other ones that are like up there, Osaka is also, for me, is also really, really fit. I would say those three are for me like the, the, be the best ones that are always like on the, on the okay. fitness level really high. Okay. So you mentioned like Nadal is one of the fittest tennis players, but if you see on the other side, Nadal, players like Nadal, Del Potro, they have been always been prone to injuries. So what is one advice you would give to them? 
is a, is a is a tough combination because is um how do you say to prevent you you always need a really good balance between uh, performance and recovery and sometimes to get the really high performance that to be like let's say the number one you have to train really hard so you are always risking your body to injury but i think the key is going to be always to find the balance between training hard but at the same time smart so you have like breaks and times to recovery that like give you the time for the body to heal that uh, that process not always like pushing 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 and at this and at some point it's just as a hold and you, you get injured because of that so moving on to some fan questions like we came across one of your photographs traveling with Roger Federer and Tommy Haas so can you so can you tell us like how was your experience traveling with Federer yeah it was really fun <laughs> I think it was after the finals in Halle maybe okay. I, I can't remember it was like a long time ago but it was like I think after the finals in Halle we went to Wimbledon and uh, because Tommy and uh, Roger, they are really good friends. Mm -hmm. so sometimes we, we hang out together and stuff. And uh, uh, Roger said like, uh, how how you, you get into Wimbledon tomorrow? And uh, I think Tommy said like, oh, we're just buying the, the trip now or something like that. And uh, Roger said like, no, just uh, come with us because we have like the private plane and uh just just join us and we said like because at the time i think we were only three so, so it was uh, okay with that and uh yeah we just joined the trip there and uh, yeah it was quite fun we have always good times with roger he's really a fun uh, fun persona and he's very charismatic as you can see on the always on the on the tv and interviews that he, he gives uh, talking about Roger Federer's gameplay, like the style of play, do you really feel like it's an effortless thing which he does at court? <laughs> yeah. To get to that effortless uh, movements, you need to train really hard and to, to become really automatic in your strokes mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, people think <laughs> people think it's easy. But to get that easy, there's a lot uh, in the background that we don't see. And well, I know because I, I've been there. I, well, actually, I, let's say one time we, we did like a week uh, with Roger in, in um, I think in Swiss, we did a training block with him, like a week or, or week and a half, I think. And then uh, it was really hard. It was really hard. And uh, that's 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 how it's gonna it's it should be because uh, to be at uh, at uh, Rogers level or Nadal level or Djokovic level like top fit guys, you need to be really really working hard to be at that level. And uh, you could I could see in first person at that time, and it was funny because right away we went to Munich. And we won the tournament because Tommy was so fit because of training with Roger that nobody could beat him. It was just like another another level. And uh, yeah, is <laughs> interesting. Okay. So you just told me like a player invests a lot of time trading 
into like everything like forehands backhands so i really wanted to know like how many hours of fitness does an average tennis player do uh i'd say tennis would say like around two two and a half every day and uh, then you have like the fitness parts would say like uh, also one hour and a half so i would say like all together would be between four and five hours every day because sometimes you you skip fitness and you uh, train twice a day like one hour and a half in the morning one hour and a half in the, in the afternoon let's say and uh, also give like some fitness as well but i think all together is always depending on the day but it varies between uh, three to five hours every day something like that right and uh, who has been the most challenging tennis player to work with <laughs> I think all of them have been challenging in their own way. Mm -hmm. I think uh, everybody has his own little things, let's say. Mm -hmm. But uh, most uh, most challenge, like he was. I think everybody was challenging. Like Tommy, because of the age, was quite of a challenge because of mm -hmm. you know, like when you age, the recovery is not the same when when you are like twenty. 20, 30, something around that. At the time, he was like 30. When he worked together, it was like from the 33 till 36, something like that. So the you, I, I, I need to be always on top of everything. So uh, with Kevin, it was different because it was just like, he was, uh, he's, he's very prone. So be, uh, tall players, because of being so tall, they have uh, to grind more and uh, they have more, uh, let's say, challenge in the body to move the body. And that creates a bit more um, challenge to the body itself. So, uh, but I think uh, it was like both one because of the age, Kevin because of the height. <laughs> Everybody has their own, uh, like, let's say, challenge to face. And uh, I think we should appreciate just the, to, to experience the process and the journey is always a, a factor that is always good for ev every team, I think. <laughs> I, I, prefer to, I prefer to look at it as a challenge than as a pressure, <laughs> because then I can cope better okay. with that. <laughs> okay, nice to know that. So can you construct a perfect ADB player in your opinion? Like what a perfect ADB player should look like, like forehand, backhand, movement and everything. <laughs> I think for myself, the, be the, the best picture that you, you can see is uh, from Roger. I think, uh, <laughs> I think for me it's like a perfect, uh, but if you can create like a perfect player, mm -hmm. I think it would be maybe Kevin or Isner serve the forehand of uh, Nadal, the backhand of uh, Roger. And if you have the defense of Djokovic, I think you can not, not that nobody can beat you easily. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think in the end, every sport is like an art. And uh, although it's like a sport and they have to train, they are like masters of the art itself as a sport. And uh, I think some uh, can get a really good uh, grasp of the of the technique itself, uh, like Roger and all these top guys. But for me, I think the best, I think the more 
beautiful to see is the the Roger kind of uh, match. Yeah. So your favorite player is Roger Federer, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. So if I so, want to watch a TV, because I watch so much tennis live, if when I put the TV on is either because of a final or because mm-hmm. it's a, somebody really good like Roger Djokovic or Nadal playing. Okay. So to wrap up the interview with, so can you tell us your 2021 personal goals? Like what are your <laughs> goals in 2021? Yeah. So my, I think my goals about, about this year first is to see if the Olympics are really gonna happen and maybe try to help my the Portuguese Federation to to get there with some players. That's uh, something that I have in my mind really strongly. And another thing is that uh, hoping uh, that this year it will be more stable because of last year was really, really unsure about everything, about the calendar, about the public, about everything. I think I think now ATP and WTA have a more stable organization and structure. So they're really trying hard to, to create a, a, the best experience possible for the fans, for the players, for the teams. And I think that's very, very, very good for them because they're really working hard in that part. And uh, I think besides that, just uh, always help the, the players that I work for and uh, give them the, the best they can achieve. I think that's when I really feel ha- happy is when people that I work with get get the real successful part of that. All right. Okay, thank you so much for spending our time with us. And it was a pleasure to have you. Thanks. <laughs> okay, have a nice day. It's out now. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Carlos. Uh, thanks. Thank you. Just a question, yeah. uh, Varun. Uh, 